listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 392. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our discussion of the classic military sci-fi series, Stargate SG-1. Dude, we're not going to talk any football tonight because we're a little disappointed, Mm. but I do want to bring up one thing. You know, if you follow the game, Lamar went out with a concussion and... You and I have both seen so many games over the years where a player gets hurt and the visiting fans cheer that the dude got hurt. What do the Buffalo fans do when he goes out with a concussion? They donate what was it, like $50,000 to his charity. I mean, yeah. total class. I mean, I, I, I've never, you know, I went to school in Buffalo and my dad's from Buffalo and I have lots of family up there. Um, you know, I, when my wife told me that, I'm like, that, that is why I love that city. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that, that's, uh, my home away from home, so to speak. And, and, uh, yeah, that was incredible yeah. that they did that. That was I really mean, classy. Uh, look, I love Patrick Mahomes. I don't hate the chiefs, but I'm going to have to be with you, uh, next Sunday and go with the bills for my, uh, rooting interests. But, uh, let's go ahead and leave football there. We got, uh. A lot to talk about in terms of Stargate SG-1, but uh, you know we've mentioned Wonder Woman, and then of course Wonder Woman 1984 that initially dropped on HBO Max, and, and I mentioned to you that I I started watching it and then stopped. Again, I've mentioned many times my my inability to sit down and focus for two and a half hours, but. My wife, I don't know if she had seen photos of Gal Gadot in magazines or whatever, but she suddenly became intrigued with Wonder Woman. I said, well, you got to see the first one. The second mm-hmm. one's not going to make as much sense. And then sense. stop. So she'd been bugging <laughs> Dude, me. the second one's not going to make sense. Anyway. Well, yeah, okay. But anyway, so we sat down and rewatched the first movie, which I hadn't seen since whenever it released in 2017 or 2018. And, you know, it it was good. She liked it a lot. She was really enthusiastic to see Wonder Woman 1984, which we then started uh, like maybe two nights later. Stuff got in the way the the previous night. And it's a long movie. It's two and a half hours, as you know. And we started it so late that we stopped around 90 minutes in. And, of course... um, saying to her well what do you think well it's not as good as the first one is it i said no, no it's not <laughs> but she's just such a great character she plays she that role so well i like kirsten wig i love her character it's it, it is what it is and and you know so it's it's not irredeemable They're like and, and the things you just mentioned and chris pine does a great job too i, I like him a lot the actors do a great job. It's the the, the cinematography, the pictures are are gorgeous. Uh, Gal Gadot is amazing. Um, you know, she's just really and she just owns that role. I don't know if she owns it quite as much as Linda Carter did, but she owns that role very much. Um, you know, so the, the movie's not irredeemable. It's just not good. Right, right. And from everything I've read, Linda Carter is totally supportive of Gal Gadot in that role and, and you know, the movies. And, and I, look, I, you, you could say, well, what's she supposed to say? Well, we've seen plenty of actors 
trash sure. the remake or the reboot or whatever. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly glad Linda Carter did that. It'd be cool if they got a cameo for her. I don't know. And wouldn't even have to be as Wonder Woman, just whatever. We could all say, hey. Um, the other thing, though, I did rewatch the series finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I know doesn't mean anything to you because you never got past the first episode or two. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, but also I'd forgotten Nathan Fillion is in it, Felicia Day, and Eliza Dushku, called Chosen. And you know, as far as series finale go, it was pretty darn satisfying. I'm really glad I rewatched it, and, and it got me to thinking that you know I need to go back and watch the series finale of Battlestar Galactica. And then I thought, well, after I do that, I should go back and watch Lost. So I, I'm on this oh. series finale kick. You 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 were you were you were doing really well there, well, until you you hit yeah, the. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try to make some sense of it. But anyway, what do you, what have you been watching? Well, when you do, write a long article about it because you'll be famous. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you watching? Um, so I actually did uh, binge through all of the last half season of Vikings, and yeah, it was great. Just as you had said, I, I believe you said you really liked. Yeah, it, right? sure. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. And you talk about a really good. Uh, series ender i i thought they did a fantastic job ending that show uh it was just really it pretty much hit every note that you want to in in a series finale you know it was i i i thought they just they nailed it it was great um you know and of course there are there are the people who were like well you know why they ever go away from the ragnar story and you've mentioned that and everything um you know, and, and of course they have history there. And if you're looking at telling the story of Ragnar, you you can't just tell his story and then leave out these very famous Vikings, Bjorn Ironside and and uh, Ivar the Boneless, who might be even more famous than their fathers. So you can't just tell his story. So you know there's definitely the, uh, they were, they were going to have to make that choice uh, no matter what, and especially when someone gets killed by getting thrown into a pit of snakes. I mean, you gotta you gotta have that on your show. Um, but I thought they did a great job. I loved how they, they took it to, uh, the story with the Roos. Um, and you know, I, I wish they maybe had gone back and visited, you know, maybe Paris a little bit more, but apparently that's kind of what they're going to do with the, the new series. They're going to jump a couple hundred years ahead and we're going to get to see the, the descendants of some of those Vikings. Um, but yeah, I just thought that, that they really nailed it. So, uh, if you haven't watched Vikings, uh, that probably spoiled a little bit of it for you, but um, it was spoiled for me because I went and read about uh, you know Ragnar Lothbrok, and uh, and then found out what was going to happen to him. I was kind of bummed out about that. But um, well, the amazing thing, without giving a huge spoiler away, is that they managed to keep under wraps a, a particular plot detail that just. I don't want to say it blew me away, but I really liked the way things unfolded. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You probably know what I'm talking about. I think I do. I'll ask okay. you afterwards. But but yeah, well, especially with like, I mean, there were, I mean, we, we, you know, main main characters die in this show a lot. Yeah. Almost all of them. Uh, so I'm sure if you go to the IMDb page and you start going down the uh, the cast list, uh, you could probably just start crossing people off as you go, but uh, but they always they they handle it in, in a great way, and it's never just done 
cheaply. I mean, obviously, again, they, there is some amount of, of history and literature that they have to stick with, you know. Um, but uh, but otherwise, yeah, I just I loved it. It, it was a great show. Um, I, I I love how they went out on top. Uh, they didn't drag it on until it was ridiculous. They always kept it fresh. They always kept it moving and exciting. Um, you know, kind of like the Vikings, right? I mean, there were people who are known for their their wanderlust and and for for not being able to. I mean, that's why if if you are a Caucasian person and you get you know a genetics test, it's probably going to come up that you have Scandinavian in you. Yeah, sure, uh, absolutely. You know? So, um, you know, they, I, I just, it, it was just a, a really, really cool show. And of course, all the actors were just, you know, outstanding. And uh, I'm really looking forward to the new series whenever they get going. All right, cool. All right, well, let's get to Stargate SG-1, episode 14 of season one, titled Singularity, written by Robert C. Cooper, who wrote The First Commandment and Torment of Tantalus, directed by Mario Azapardi, who did the pilot Children of the Gods, bloodlines and brief candle this one aired on halloween october 31st 1997 now uh, first thing canadian actress katie stewart who plays cassandra i'm looking at her the whole time thinking she looks familiar she looks familiar what have i seen her in so you know i go to her imdb page and she's been working steadily up to the present she's bit was in a number of episodes of the hundred she was in altered carbon uh, the returned which is a show i keep meaning to check out she was in the crow, the crow series um, did we do do we do the first you know we might have now i can't remember but anyway so she she's working steadily and, and she was great here you know the other th- term that i came across during the past week which i don't remember hearing it before so you're probably going to say dave how could you never have heard the term found family as a narrative device i don't think i've ever heard that either okay and and it is exactly what (laughs) i do i just as you say like it's not gonna be a term i've heard really before but i get it i I get i get the idea right and it makes perfect sense and 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 certainly a lot of the shows that that we've watched and and podcasted about you know that's you know the, the core group of characters that are thrown together and do become a family but certainly that that's one of the keys here uh we do have a carter centric episode with a significant sure. amount of dr frazier thrown in which mm-hmm. again i've said many times I, re- I really love the dynamic with those two but the other thing that strikes me about this episode is that we really haven't seen any of these sophie's choice kinds of decisions the characters have to make and usually yeah. it's general hammond that tries to make the decision and then well, okay, you try this instead so that, that the hard decision doesn't have to get made. But, oh, my God, when, when Samantha takes her down to that. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, they, they really should have thought of sedating that kid. Well, you know, that's what I thought. And then we, we do get that, that little piece of dialogue where they reveal she's awake. And, and I forget whether it's Jack or Daniel. She's awake. So that apparently they did sedate her and that that was the idea, but. She apparently woke up. I guess they didn't sedate her enough, but 
Uh, oh my gosh, just a just a terrible scene, and, and yeah, and played really well. Well, I mean, terrible, good, good, terrible. Yeah, like terrible, emotional, terrible, heart wrenching, not terrible. Bad. Right, and you know, Fred mentions the acting job that Amanda Tapping does in, in that scene in yeah. particular, and, and fantastic. And I definitely agree. Um, you know, anytime we get a name like Cassandra, did you happen to go back to your classical mythology texts to? Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean that that's that's the easy one, right? I mean, Cassandra was the, uh, the the Trojan princess that Agamemnon brought back with him from uh, from Troy, and uh, she has a gift slash curse that she can see the future, but no one ever believes her. So you'd think, you know, obviously when someone's named Cassandra, you expect some element of like prophecy and people not believe that that didn't really play into this one well, not so far so are, are we going to see i mean when i said i went to katie stewart's imdb page i didn't look deliberately at stargate sg1 i just you know started at the top 2020 oh okay she's still working oh the hundred so i don't know if we're going to see her again uh you know that that final scene where they're in the park certainly leads us to believe maybe we will but Sure. Well, especially if Dr. Frazier is going to be her you know, caretaker, then she could definitely be in future episodes. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, the last thing before we get started with the uh, episode details, this planet, I guess it's called Hanka, H-A-N-K, because that's what the sign tells us. And, and of course, it's got the numerical designation on, on that sign as well. I assume the earth people built the observatory there and and i'm wondering whether the indigenous peoples were consulted um, before an observatory was built there but i don't know but you know that's certainly something we haven't seen before where right an sg team has basically taken up residence and i don't know well they 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 might rethink that in the future now. Well, we'll see. Um, so we get the, that opening scene. That there's a mission to view a black hole on one of the developed planets that uh, has this big telescope. And the whole time I'm trying to figure out, well, why is this such a big deal to photograph this eclipse and the black hole? I mean, okay, I guess. And, you know, everybody seems to be excited, especially Carter. But... Um, <laughs> you get that great scene early on when Jack throws out some astronomical term that at first I think Daniel's like, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. What? <laughs> Wait, what'd you just say? Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. right. I think they, they, the, the timing on that was very well done. And then who is it? Was it Carter that says, well, you know, what'd you think? He just bought that to uh, look at the neighbors. Right. Not at first. but yeah that was that was pretty cool um you know and and we really do have just the one story even though just just you know the the little story with jack and teal waiting at the observatory for the eclipse and that was kind of a cool thing they did in, in terms of the overall story because it's their discovery of the gold attack ship that's hovering overhead that starts allowing them to piece together what might actually be happening and 
Teal says something about this guy's an enemy of Apophis. So I guess when we go back to last week, are we to maybe start thinking that there's going to be this gold versus gold war going on in the background and is earth going to get caught in the middle of it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, it definitely shows us that, you know, whereas at first we just kind of lump all the gold together as just, you know, all like as some unified uh, people, but, you know, clearly not right. There's, there's clearly there's divisions uh, within themselves. Right. And- so, yeah, that is, we certainly, that's something, because especially we see it two weeks in a row. So we got to figure this is something that the writers are, are planning to have in the future. Right. And, you know, Teal pieces together what's likely going to happen, which is that the Gaold have planted Cassandra to blow up the gate you know, to prevent travel back and forth from Earth, which at first I'm thinking, well, why do they want to do that? Well, uh, uh, they don't have any problem getting to Earth. They've got the ships to get to Earth. Earth doesn't have the ships to get to them. So makes perfect sense. Um, Yes. So it it seems as we're in the midst of (laughs) COVID-19, how many shows do we now go back and see we're using this viral agent as a means of bringing down, you know, the collapse of civilization. And, and I guess the answer would be, well, quite a few. And I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it's kind of freaky now to, to, yeah, well, right. And of course we're all like armchair critics, like, you know, like, Jack, do not, absolutely do not turn that body over without putting gloves on. Oh, come, well, there he goes and does it. Come on, Jack. Really? You know, um, so yeah, there's a lot of things, that, and I think Fred and it picks out a lot too. Not a lot, a little bit. That, you know, even like the, the, the your most regular, everyday, average person would look at this and be like, oh, wow. You know, all, all the stuff, the hazmat suits and masking up and, and, disinfecting and all that stuff that that that, all that is just uh too too close for comfort to our lives nowadays he does wash his hands though right away after he realizes what he actually did but but still and you know we learned that they were here three months prior so we don't really have a good sense of a timeline in terms of how long the stargate program has been underway and how long sg1 has been the lead team in all of this so whether it's a year or more i mean clearly they had enough time to build an observatory because i'm going with the uh understanding that it was the people from earth that brought the materials there to build the observatory rather than the native population that had an observatory and it's like oh yeah come on you can use it uh, yeah I, I mean but maybe they did you know we, we don't well but but they are apparently a superstitious people because they bring about that phrase with the darkness comes apocalypse and of course we know throughout history and ancient cultures that didn't understand what these astronomical events actually were and they ascribed and again we've talked about that in terms of mythological gods and goddesses and and all of that so it, it doesn't seem likely that people that you know were at that level of understanding would would be able to build an observatory so 
but the other thing, did you notice when the the young girl is rummaging around the grass and they realize she's in there? I think Teak uh, actually smiles. Yeah, his face is completely different. And I know? started thinking, you know, Christopher Judge, we talked about the fact that Teal'c doesn't get many lines. He depends so much on his facial expressions. And, dude, I was sitting in front of the mirror trying to recreate <laughs> some of the expressions that right. he, I, I don't know how he does it. But Christopher Judge, he, again, you talk about owning a character. He just owns right. Teal'c at this point. Well, you know, and I think even last week I said it seemed like his resting face is that one of of, of displeasure, but uh, apparently not. You know, like his face like breaks into a normal human looking face now. Um, so when he's sitting there with that that frown on the whole time, that's uh, that's Christopher Judge actually, you know, having to use the muscles to 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 frown and keep that frown up the whole time. So um, yeah, just that in and of itself is is pretty outstanding stuff okay now having cassandra remain mute for you know a a good portion of the episode too much of a trope for you or yeah especially after once she starts talking just like a little chatterbox yeah (laughs) okay so i guess we're supposed to believe she just didn't trust anybody but then i guess we have to consider her parents just died because she wakes up calling for her mother Right. So yeah, the- I, she she definitely has undergone a a significant amount of trauma. Um, so I, I I really didn't think. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't at the time I was just like ah here we are with the the kid who's been traumatized and and won't speak and everything and um, and then you know once she learns to trust Sam then she finally speaks and everything. Um, so I I, did, I I get it. You know they're just trying to demonstrate that that this this child uh, is has gone through a lot and uh you know we sympathize even that much more with her and, and want her to to live and i don't think i ever really thought that they were going to blow up a little kid uh in this show but for a minute there it really looked like that was gonna what was gonna happen yeah i mean what else were we supposed to think yeah. um you know the other thing that strikes me about this episode coming on the heels of last week when we were talking about carter lamenting the fact that she doesn't know how to interact with the guys so that she's seen as one of the guys. And and like we said last week, we understand what she means. Just, uh, you know, part of the team, you know, just seen in that way. And, and of course she is on, on so many levels, but in this episode, not only do we see Carter and Dr. Frazier, save the day through science once again and certainly it's Frazier that that figures out that she's got traces of the element that the stargates made of in her blood and we're thinking like well okay that's kind of cool on the one hand and kind of frightening on the other hand and maybe that's why she resists the infection but okay what's the stargate got to do it you know watching them piece all that together Obviously, the the heart of this episode, no pun intended, is that bond that Sam forms with Cassandra. Even though at the end she says, well, I think Dr. Frazier might want to keep her. And I'm thinking, like, okay, who wrote that line, first of all, might want to keep her? She's not a dog. Right, right. She she has a dog. 
She does, oh. she does have a dog, but she's not a dog. Yeah, but the, I don't know if you caught that line or I not. I did, yeah. It, I was like, I don't know if they should put it that way. But Yeah, it was a little cringeworthy, but maybe they were up against it in terms of <laughs> writing that, that week's script. But, but still, it almost seemed hard to believe that Sam would be able to let go that much. But then maybe she's thinking, all right, I have a really good relationship with Dr. Frazier. I'll be able to see Cassandra all the time. It'll almost be the best of both worlds. I'll be the cool aunt or, you know, whatever. So I don't know. But but it was just so great to see that other side of Carter. And yet we still got to see the science side of her and Dr. Frazier as well. So I, I really thought that was a perfect way to follow up last week's episode. Right. And, and you know, and you know, we talked about them, you know, on the one hand, not thinking that they were going to blow up a little kid, but also thinking that they're, they might because, well, who's the, the one character on the team who doesn't really have this emotional reason to go after the go old, right? Yeah. Is, is Sam. Right. Um, Cassandra had died. Well, that would certainly be, you know, give Sam that emotional motivation that all the other three team members uh, already have because they have people that they care for that are being threatened by the gold or are under the duress with the gold. You're right. I mean, and, and we certainly know Jack was a father. We talked about the fact that he lost his son. We certainly know that Teal'c is a father and a husband. Uh, Jackson has a wife. He doesn't have any children at this point. We don't, at least that we know of. Frank Zappa has a song called Baby Snakes. Was it uh-huh. too soon to bring that in with Jackson's wife? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yet, like you said, Carter is the one that didn't really have that familial connection outside of the team. So to see that as a possibility, you know, was really cool and sort of disappointing that it didn't, you know, go further. And, and then that great line where she says at the end about finding a family that's got the proper security clearance. And then, so I was born in a place called Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> the uh, weird kid from Canada, the outsider. Right. Um, <laughs> Okay, but the other thing, you know, before we get to all that point, they're still trying to figure out why Cassandra's immune. And that scene where she's communicating through a painting. And of course, we're trying to figure out, all right, what are you trying to say? We see all these people that are supposed to be dead on the ground, and I guess that's you. And I'm thinking like, dude, there's finally something Carter's not good at. Yeah. <laughs> when she draws yeah. her stick figure. Right, that, that stick figure was... Was it was definitely bad, and I almost wanted the kid to start talking at that point and say, "Hey, you just you just effed up my whole painting. Thank you." And because I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I drew stick figures on the board in the classroom, and yeah. just just laugh now before I get started, as yeah. as they should. I deserve it's, it. It's 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 always like kind of like a, a a teaching kind of trick that if you draw a figure and use stick figures, it's kind of a way to get the kids on your side get them to laugh at you a little bit i I actually can draw pretty well but um i would never pass up an opportunity to draw stick figures in the classroom 
Well, you know, the other thing in terms of a more serious response, when Cassandra goes into cardiac arrest and Sam's there, well, what do I do? And again, on the one hand, I'm thinking like, wait, you don't know what to do? But I wonder whether it was almost that motherly instinct to first freak out and because she doesn't have the experience because i would imagine again obviously i don't have kids but and you do i'm probably you've probably had dozens of opportunities where you freak out for a couple of seconds and you okay this is what we need to do and you do it and you take care of business so to see sam in this kind of situation which of course it's serious but she's been in a lot more serious situations where she just did what needed to be done so i liked it it humanizes her right and i at one point i was actually i wrote down like maternal instincts but then i went and deleted it because i'm like i mean not really i mean no just because she's a woman we say oh well she's the woman so necessarily she would is the one who knows how to care for a child and knows how to take care of it. And, and no, she just, she, as you, as you just said, she can, you know, assess a situation, determine what needs to be done, uh, creates a, a strategy to accomplish the goal and, and goes through with it. Now it's true. She does get emotionally caught up with this girl, but if, if it had been Jack or, or Daniel or Teal, Teal, who were, had been the one who was in charge of taking care of Cassandra, they also would have gotten very emotionally involved with the child. So, you know, it has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, her being a female or her maternal instincts. It has everything, as you just said, with her ability to, as, as a, you know, as a, as a soldier and, and as a, a, a person of action, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of that family bonding, I mean, obviously there's this bonding going on between Cassandra and, and Samantha, but that, that brief scene when Daniel comes in to relieve her and she reveals that she wants to mother Cassandra and, and Jackson's response is that you don't have to do it alone. And I, I just was really touched by that because, we've again, we've talked about the SG-1 team as they become a family, as they accept each other's limitations and, and strengths. I, I just thought that worked so well. It, and it was such a brief scene. We don't see Jackson a whole lot in this episode. So it really stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. And, and yeah, I, I just completely agree with you that, that it definitely is that, that, that team they're, they're, they really um, each week, I think it, it, it we see that bond between them getting stronger and stronger where, you know, they basically are, you know, in this case, Daniel is, is sensitive to, um, you know, what, what Sam is going through. And, and so he's going to be there to, to help out and do what he can and support her as a teammate. Okay. Now you mentioned at the beginning of the discussion, mythological Cassandra as a Trojan princess and they, put two and two together and figure out that she's essentially being used as a Trojan horse. Right. Uh, Which in this much. case, they're just getting their, yeah, they're getting their mythology all mixed up okay. at this That's, point. Um, but we, you know, okay. So we're, we can roll with it. We're, we're, you know, we accept gold and all that. So we can accept the, exactly, you know, um, and they have to figure out, you know, how to remove it. And, and then after that touching scene, Jackson, who's usually the one that is more emotional, 
coldly explains that, well, the goal will just see her as a tool to destroy an enemy. So what don't you understand, Carter? And we're like, well, okay, that was rather blunt. <laughs> True, but... True, but uh, and, yeah, maybe we could soft shoot that a little bit better. Right, but, but Hammond, again, he does what has to be done in that situation. We cannot risk Stargate Command for this girl. So we're going to have to do something with her. And Jack remembers, I guess, a decommissioned nuclear facility nearby. And, you know, luckily enough, huh? luckily enough. So uh, <laughs> they send her that way. And, and then like that scene we talked about at the beginning where, where Sam is taking her in the elevator down to the 30th level or whatever. And, and we know she's taken her to her death. And, and again, not to belabor the point, but we've talked before about the predilection of some of our characters to disobey orders, but this is one order that, you know, even Jack, it's funny, everybody's disobeying orders in this episode and I'm perfectly okay with all of it. Obviously we get why, why Sam goes back and everything. And, And I think part of it is, that relieves the tension for the audience. The minute she goes back, we're like, okay, the kid's going to be all right. There's no, you know, they're not going to send Sam Carter back in there to get blown up, obviously. So that, for me, who was very stressed at that point of, of the episode, when she went back, I was very, very relieved because that was, you know, I, I knew that they, they, the kid was going to be all right. But uh, but to, for her to make that decision though, it's, I mean, I mean, yeah, you you are you are, well, I guess in the end she says, I just knew, right? So somehow she just knew that the bomb wasn't going to go off, that the kid was going to be okay. But it just doesn't really seem like she just knew it when she's crying in the elevator, right? Well. She gives some sort of scientific explanation. Well, I saw her when she got near the Stargate. This happened. And then when she did this, that happened. So I, I kind of knew. Does she know, though? I mean, I don't, well, really, I don't know. But I, that's I really what she says. the explanation there. I'm like, wait, why didn't she blow up? There's just like no reason at all why it didn't. Except for Daniel just says, well, you know, maybe we just messed up figuring out what was supposed to happen and the reality of the situation look i'm fine with the way it ended everybody happy at the park and all of that but the reality of the situation they probably would keep her isolated at stargate command for further testing and you know while she might be able to have the run of the place a little bit i'm not sure they release her into the wild quite this quickly but right. well, especially know. The, the, you know, as they're at the park the admonition like you can't talk about stargate i'm like hmm i feel like someone in black suit with uh, dark sunglasses should be telling that to her you know like just to drive the point home a little bit better than than friendly dr carter you know right and you know the the Seeing them all in civilian clothes in the park, relaxed, was cool. I mean, I've often said about a lot of shows that that I'd like to see an episode where we see them away from their actual job and, you know, write a clever story based around that and and bring all the characters together that way. And, and, you know, while. Don't break any more hockey sticks in doing it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Earth rule. Every kid's got to have a dog. And yeah, you know, and, and then Jackson, how sure were you really? <laughs> and of course, that's the the question that we're all uh, wondering. But but still, um, you know, Cassandra's pretty sharp. She's already learned the beginnings of her cover story. And uh, I, I guess we'll. Just look at it like uh, everybody will live happily ever after, and you know maybe we'll see her again. Maybe we won't. I don't know, yeah. but you'll certainly see Katie Stewart in the hundred if you're a fan of the hundred. So. Yeah, I have to go back and see who she was, and then I probably need to watch the last couple episodes of the hundred. Yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to bring up? Um, well, just a couple of things. We talked about you know the how there's echoes of 2021 in this, and you know um, you know when they just come out of the Stargate and Daniel coughs and everyone turns around, you know, it's just like, yeah, you know, like I had, uh, over the, what is over the, I guess a couple months ago, I just had a nagging cough for like, you know, a couple weeks. And I just say to my wife, you know, you just can't have a nagging cough in, in this environment, you know, right? like you can't go to a store and cough and it's okay. You know, you know, it, it, that's just, you know, kind of like crazy about that. Um, you know, like I get Teal'c again, if this was in 2021, Teal'c walking around that planet without a hazmat suit. I get that you won't get sick, buddy, but guess what? You can be a carrier. Even the the the, the, the basis Trump supporter knows that. And uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but... Um, you know, everyone like, so, you know, mask up Teal. You're going to get, you're going to bring the disease back to other people. Um, dude. Well, no, everybody knows Jaffa can't carry it. He could carry it. Couldn't he? he just wouldn't get sick. I've, I have no idea. I was just being. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, talking about hazmat suits, that was, that was my one question there. When, when they come back to stargate command the first time where'd they get the kid size hazmat suit <laughs> right yeah yeah that's a, that's a good question you, you think that's not something that would uh, typically be uh, on hand at a, uh, a military facility so anyway well there, there is another thing that um when they are when you know dr frazier is there and she's checking them out i thought that they were back on Earth. I yeah, think me too. Fred said that too. And then, you know, when Jack and Teal'c are like, well, we'll stay, I'm like, wait a minute. Shouldn't you two as being like the, the, the most strongest, you know, biggest, most military type guys here? Well, I guess Sam is too. But, you know, obviously Jack the leader, like, shouldn't you be going? Because I thought – they're on Earth. They were talking about going back to the planet, but when in reality they were still on the planet, and they're talking about going back to Earth. So, yeah, and, and you know, you mentioning that about the the military aspect it reminded me of of that exchange between Carter and Jackson, where she laments the fact that she is not able to be dispassionate in this situation. And he's like, "Well, who said that you should be?" And she's like, oh, I forgot that you're not military. It's like, what, you forgot that he's human? <laughs> that- well, when, I, when she said that, I'm like, how could you forget that Daniel isn't military? Like, almost everything he says and does must remind you 
right. on a daily basis. Right. That I this mean, guy is not military, you know? Like, how could you ever forget that? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we get what she means, but yeah, but still, it, it- I just it, thought it was funny. It was funny. And and it, again, it just drives home that point that, that she's battling- you know, the, the two sides of her personality, which I would think virtually every member of the military must have to battle at one time or another in his or her career. So, yeah. All right. Anything else? Well, uh, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the gold attack ships that apparently are piloted by stormtroopers. (laughs) Who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn they if they were standing? They've got Teal and Jack completely lined up and just can't, can't, uh, can't put them away. So yeah, that was like a pretty long like run that they had to get to the, the, um, you know, the Stargate. But uh, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, just that uh, you know, just to, to kind of go back to that elevator ride. Uh, down to there. That is just, I mean, I, I said before how stressed I was and just how heartbreaking that scene was. And, you know, we're right there with Sam, Sam thinking, ah, oh, the kid woke up. Like it, it would have been so much, e- I mean, obviously it wouldn't have been easy for her to go and leave Cassandra in the room and just walk out with the kid sleeping. But, you know, that was, was 10 times easier than having to answer to the kid. And it's not just that you're leaving the kid to her death. I mean, obviously that's bad, but that the, she's going to be there all by herself and she's going to be alone at that moment, which is just, you know, just even, even worse. And, you know, I mean, that was, that, that was a heart wrenching scene that, that really, really took it out of me. Yeah. And, and you wonder what Sam would have done had she remained asleep now, I guess we could argue that she probably would have left her, closed the door, and then had to make that decision whether to go back or not. But uh, I, whether the entire team would have evacuated you know, this silo or whatever it is, this nuclear facility, again, remains to be seen. When Jack tells Teal'c and Jackson to leave, neither moves and he's like okay right i got well he doesn't tell them to leave he asks them if they he he offers to let them leave okay Um, so that one they 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 weren't disobeying an order okay all right so um the last thing is the the doctor when they're doing the laparoscopy on cassandra and uh her heart stops and frazier tells him to stop he's like wait hold on you know it's like no (laughs) the kids dying jerk off pull that thing out so that they can help the kid you know it's just like that that guy made me mad all right you want to leave it there um i think that's probably the the last of my rants yeah okay cool all right well let's hear what fred's got for us this week and we'll be right back Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1, Season 1, Episode 14. Coming back to last week's podcast, I really was amazed that indeed in locker rooms there could be this kind of bath or whirlpool. I'm not much of a sporter, so I don't visit a lot of locker rooms in sport facilities, but I never saw something like this in a sports locker room or washroom. So thank you for clarifying that. 
On the day that you will record this podcast, the repetition of Joe Biden's inauguration will take place one day later than planned because of security issues. And I wish you the next week a smooth and peaceful transition of power. Although I have my doubts if I read all the news that we see here. What am I watching? Well, first off, I'm looking forward to the next season of Snowpiercer. And I'm very curious about the next season of Bad Woman, where after Ruby Rose left, there is a new lead actress now. So I'm very curious how they will construct a transition within the story. And since the first episode is called What Happened to Kate Kane, so that was the role Ruby Rose played, we will probably get an explanation. But I really wonder how plausible it will be. Talking about Batman or Batwoman, I just saw a Twitter and Facebook post of Dan of Geek. They were having a celebration or a little clip they made about the original Batman premiered 54 years ago. So that made me watch a few old Batman episodes. And it is really, really the very first piece of television I ever saw. At the time it premiered, I was five years old and probably we got it a little later in the Netherlands. So I probably saw this when I was six or seven. And although filmed in color, we only had a black and white television set at that time. And actually this series is very epic for me. Because one of my greatest wishes as a six, seven year old kid was to have a Batmobile. And at that time you had a version of Corgi with the possibilities to shoot arrows from the back and having a kind of axe in the front of the car. And I actually got this car because I had my tonsils removed as a very young kid and my parents and grandparents promised me to give me this Batmobile if I would go into the procedure without making much of a drama and not to cry too much afterwards because that's actually quite bad when your tonsils are just removed. And actually one of my very first memories is that I remembered that I was in a kind of toddler's hospital bed that I tried to tell the other kids who also had their tonsils removed in the same hospital room that they shouldn't cry because then they would get their presence. And I also remember that it was very difficult to speak. So I tried to raise my voice, but I couldn't. So that is one of my very first memories ever. And very linked to Batman so it was very nice to see two of the very old episodes now and seeing that in its very bright colors it's it's filmed in of course I had seen it in the meanwhile as well so I knew about these colors and the way of acting etc is so funny it has such a timestamp. okay about episode 14 of Stargate SG-1 quite a good episode again think a a minus again as last week i think i slowly am going to like this series it also could be due because you know the characters better and better and you get a higher involvement in a series but i can see a little bit where it's perhaps going for the next nine seasons very very good acting by amanda tapping with this little girl She's struggling between her military duty and her duty as, well, fellow human. You could say big mother feeling, but you also see it in Daniel that he is committed to this case and to this girl. So if you want to be consequent then, then you should call Daniel's feelings father's feelings. In the beginning of the episode, I was a little confused. I thought 
are there two Stargates on Earth? Because the world where they went uh, looked quite like Earth. But it took me a little while that the station SG-7 or 8 built up there was Earth-like, whereas the planet itself was less developed. Another thing that happened in the beginning of this episode was, of course, getting a COVID-like association because everybody is dead there through kind of infectious disease and only the child has survived. Seeing uh, Samantha and the doctor with these masks, etc., etc. Well, they never could have known what they did in 1997 to the people that watched this in 2021. I don't understand their using of hazmat suits. Because when they are in this other world, they just wear face masks, etc. And then they go to Earth and they take on a hazmat suit. Shouldn't that be the other way around? And the other thing is, when they arrive on Earth, they immediately take it off. Nice infection prevention. So they could have used it instead of a protection for themselves, as a protection for people around them so that they contain what they bring from the other world. But then you shouldn't immediately take it off as soon as you through the Stargate. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, now, Fred sent us some photos of a Batmobile toy. You know, we've been talking Legos off and on the last few weeks. Fred, is that the same Batmobile that you received as a child? <laughs> if so oh my god it's in like perfect condition at least yeah. it looks like it from the from the uh photographs but i feel like that that was uh he, he got that picture there's no way he as a little kid that that you would not run the crap out of your batmobile uh, and, and as if we would still have it anyway but yeah right. i mean you never know i mean um i, I have a, a box of star wars toys that begs to differ with that statement dave okay well i mentioned to fred uh, i don't remember if it was in the the thread where we're, we're all three involved but um you know you, you know i collect sports cards mostly baseball and football from the 1960s or so um and when my wife's family was moving um oh it's 20 years now and they were cleaning out their house, um, and, and I went up into their attic to pack stuff for my in-laws. You know, I'm rummaging around. I find this one box. I'm like, hey, there's this box of, of sports cards and, and stuff. You know, what do you want me to do with it? And my mother-in-law's, I'll take it. The boys don't want it. Just take it. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, you know, I'll take it. I get it home, and there's a whole bunch of Batman cards from 1966. Nice which turned out to be my wife's. So it wasn't a complete set. They're not in very good condition, but good enough. I mean, the artwork is just so cool from that era. So I've been working on and off, buying some off eBay to complete the set. So, uh, you know, Fred mentioning Batman got me to thinking that. And and then it got me to thinking, like, sometime we should maybe talk about, you know, the the sci-fi toys that accompany so many of our are shows that we watch and and who collects what and why and 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 you know things like that i mean you know you've been to my house many times yeah. you, i've got my Mulder and scully action figures hanging on the wall but i'm not a huge toy collector i mean i used to collect those sports figurines uh but i don't do that anymore but uh you know there, there's just so much ancillary stuff out there that's just very, I mean, like the Lego stuff. I mean, it's not for me, but I can certainly see 
why people like you and Fred find it so intriguing. I mean, it's yeah. like the the you know the building of it, and then you've got it, and then you can display it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big thing. Um, you know, one thing. Listen to Fred's feedback. I, I never got my appendix out, but when I was a kid, I wanted to get my. No, I'm sorry, my tonsils. Right, not appendix tonsils. I want my tonsils out so badly. Um, there were days where I would just open my mouth and look at him to say, why can't you be infected? Because every kid I knew who got his tonsils out got buttloads of gifts. So just like in the middle of the year. You know, I mean, yeah, you're, you're used to your birthday, used to Christmas. It's, it was to me, it was like Christmas, whenever, just in the middle of the year, randomly, Christmas. All I have to do is get my tonsils out, which I don't care. I don't want my tonsils. But alas. Did you ever get them out? Nope. Really? Never. Wow. Yep. Oh, interesting. Yep. Um, also, I can relate to um, not seeing the original Batman. Well, of course, I'm a little bit younger. And so whenever I watched Batman, it was it was the reruns. But I also did not see Batman in color till I was at least 10 because that was when we got our first colored television. Yeah, uh, when I was ten years old. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, my first when I was a kid and, and watching that and loving that that television show, which um, I, I, I definitely loved that show as a kid. Uh, but yeah, always saw it in black and white. Yeah, yeah, it was a great show. I remember watching it when it was when it was on. So uh, anyway, and then of course Fred brings up the uh, infectious virus as a means of bringing on a calamity, which is you know. Maybe hits a little bit too close to home at this point. Uh, right. You know, I mean, give me an old, a good old-fashioned zombie apocalyptic virus. And there you go. Much, yeah, much better. Right. But, uh, all right. Anything else about Fred's feedback? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. Um, again, I concur with Fred. I'm going A- minus on this one. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about this over the course of this series that – we're kind of both holding out our A grade for yeah. that episode that just blows us away, knocks our socks off, whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. I, I was, I, for most of this, I was, well, especially at the end, I, when during that elevator ride, I'm like, as intense and as emotionally involved I am in this show right now, I was like, I think I'm going to give this an A. Okay. But then. When it came around to Sam explaining why the kid didn't blow up, like it just seemed like, you know, like you said, I mean, that explanation was just a big dud. Like, oh, I just knew. Or because she passed out and, and woke up, which again, I don't think they sedated her. Remember, because she said she passed out at the Stargate and then became more conscious as they moved away from it. So I'm like, but what does that any of that have to <laughs> yeah. like that, none of that is an acceptable explanation why after all the testing you did and determining that this girl was a walking nuclear bomb that you thought, ah no, nah, she's not. And then she wasn't. Why? Ah. <laughs> you know? So I I didn't enjoy the the non call there. I think they should have offered some kind of I, I get maybe Sam on instinct going back. I, I'm, I'm not arguing with that. I think after the fact, it could have just been one line. Dr. Frazier says, well, 
as it found as we found out, blah 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 happened. So that's why she didn't blow up. And like, okay, thank you for the rational explanation. Whereas what we really have to go with is, ah, it just kind of happened, right? And even if Sam had explained it as, I didn't know, I just couldn't leave her. Right. Okay. Fine. Yeah, I'm good with that. Right. I, I have no problem with her going back. I get that. Just the the whole not giving us an answer as to why the kid, which is what we're asking. Wait, how come the kid didn't blow up? This is they're building all up to this, and all of a sudden she doesn't. Why not? I, don't get me wrong. I'm happy she didn't blow up, but tell me why. And they really didn't. So I was like, well, a minus. So, all right, sounds good. Um, Take you down a letter grade for your inappropriate uh, the the, uh, the poor conclusion. Yeah, but as you've said before, still in the A grade. Yeah. So. All right, well, we will leave it there, and that'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thanks for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1, anything else going on in your sci-fi world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode 15 of Stargate SG-1, titled Core I. But until then... I, I actually, for a little bit, worked in a, uh, in a, in a company that made um, Velcro. And, uh, you know, it's only like a, just like a line. Like you had to make sure, you know, like just make sure the Velcro is working properly. But then sometimes the line gets moving and you get like behind a little bit and, and everything. And then people are yelling at you like, what's going on? What's going on? I just say, I, I, I know I'm supposed to be detached. <laughs>